Revelation chapter 15. We're going to try to conclude this chapter this morning and tonight. Uh, it has some wonderful points, messages to me, and I'd like to share what God spoke to me as I, I studied this. But it's Revelation chapter 15. We're really going to be focusing in on the last uh, verses 5 through 8 uh, here today. Let's just read those four verses. Revelation chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. And of course, John is writing down what he, the vision that he is seeing in heaven. It says, After that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials or bowls, full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. You know, we've been talking about the wrath and judgment of God all through the book of Revelation, especially from uh, chapter 4 or 5, 6, I believe it started in chapter 6, where we see the, the seven sealed judgments. Then we move on a little farther and we see the, the seven trumpet judgments. God is pouring out his wrath upon this world in order to, uh, to persuade them to repent. I really believe that. He's not doing it because he loves to, to hurt people or destroy people. He's doing it for one reason, it, because he's trying to persuade people to repent. Unfortunately, if you read uh the book of Revelation, unfortunately, most of the time, the people refuse to repent. They've gone so far in following the Antichrist. They've been so deluded and so brainwashed, so to speak, that they've taken the mark of the beast and they're following the Antichrist. And, and uh, they have gone past, many of them have gone past the point of no return. You see, I believe there is a point of no return. That we can reject God and reject God and reject Jesus 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 for so long that our hearts become hardened. Our hearts become calloused. And we can no longer, no longer hear God speaking to us. We can no longer uh, respond to God's gospel of salvation because we become blinded and we become deaf and our hearts are so hard that you can go past the point of no return. Many of these people, I believe, have gone past the point of no return. In this passage of Scripture, in this chapter, really, we see the prelude. We see the prelude of God fixing to pour out His wrath 
upon an unbelieving world. We see that God loading up for the last judgment, which is the seven bold judgments. He is preparing in heaven. John sees this. This is chapter 15 is a heavenly vision. Chapter 16 will be an earthly vision. But chapter 6, 15 is a heavenly vision. And God is preparing. He is preparing to pour out his seven bold judgments will, will complete God's wrath that he pours out. He will, it will fulfill it when these seven angels pour out their seven bowls upon this unbelieving world we live in. The Bible says it will be complete. We're right at uh, the halfway point. In fact, uh, we may be farther, uh, closer to the end of the, the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, which is the uh, Jesus calls the great tribulation. But here I want you to understand that in chapter 15 is a heavenly vision. John sees things happening in heaven. And he sees God preparing his angels pouring out, to pour out their bowls or their vials upon this earth. And then chapter 16 is the pouring out of it, is the actual pouring out of God's wrath upon this, this world. I want you to understand that God is not a bad, is, is, is not in the wrong here. That God is not the bad one. As I said, these people have rejected Jesus. They've shaken their fist at God. They have followed the Antichrist. They have taken his mark. They worship him. He is their God. And so God pours out his wrath. But in these last few passages of Scripture, I want us to look at some things. John sees the seven angels being armed with God's wrath for the last judgment. For the Armageddon, the seven bold judgments poured out by the seven angels will complete. I want you to understand. Will complete, fulfill, finish, bring to an end the seven-year tribulation uh, period and the pouring out of the wrath of God on sin in this sinful world. When this is finished, then right after that is the return of Christ. So we're getting close to the return of Christ. Chapter 16, you see the pouring out of, of the bold jump. Now, chapter 19 is the return of Christ. Chapter 17 and 18, between that, is the details. Details of things that take place uh, during this time uh, before Jesus comes again. And so those are interesting uh, chapters. But notice something here in this passage of Scripture. Notice the angels approach. The Bible says in verse 5, John after that, after John saw the, the, the tribulation saints standing on the sea of glass, he sees something else. He says, I looked and I saw something else. It turned his attention from those tribulation saints singing the, the song of Moses and singing the song of the Lamb of God and praising and worshiping God. Man, that's what we're going to be doing, folks, when we get in heaven. We're going to be praising and worshiping God and serving Him. Oh, it's going to be a, a wonderful time. But this 
John saw something else that took his mind off of that, and he saw these seven angels. After that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the, test of the testimony in heaven was opened. Again, let me just remind you, this is a heavenly vision. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded uh, go, uh, with golden girdles. Notice the place that these seven angels come from. Notice the place where, where they, they come. John saw heavens uh, gearing up for the final assault of God upon the God-rejecting and Jesus-hating world. For three and a half years, as I said, he had been trying to get them to repent and be saved. And, and we see that the temple, uh, it's called the temple of the testimony in heaven, was open. This is the same thing as the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, and which was in the tabernacle and the, the stones of, of the Ten Commandments. You'll read about that. So we see the place that these angels are coming from. Are, are They're coming from God. They're coming from the temple. They're coming from the place, the place. They're getting their orders, their marching orders from God himself. God is the one who's in charge. Christian friends, we should always strive to get our marching orders from God. God, what do you want us to do now? What is your will for our life? What is your plan and purpose for this world? How can we be involved? And what do you want us to do? You see, these seven angels, God was in charge. He was telling them what they wanted to do. And then we see the promise. The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And, and what does this mean? The temple of the tabernacle uh, of the testimony of heaven, they the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven represents the Ark of the Covenant where the two tablets of stone that God had written the Ten Commandments on are kept. Other items were kept in the tabernacle, but the main thing in, in the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to understand that this passage uh, deals specifically. I want you to understand something. This passage in the book of Revelation deals specifically with the nation of Israel. And it deals with other people too, don't get me wrong. But it deals specifically with the, uh, the nation of Israel. This is talking about the, the tabernacle. It's talking about the temple. The tabernacle was that temporary place of worship that the children of Israel, when they were going through the wilderness, they carried the tabernacle. It was not a permanent structure. It was a temporary structure. And wherever they went, they carried the tabernacle and they set it up there where they stayed. When they moved on, they would carry the tabernacle. When God took them into the promised land, he gave them he gave them the right to build a more permanent place of worship, and that was the temple. So we see that the Jews had a tabernacle, and the Jews had a temple. I just want you to understand the church does not have a tabernacle. The church 
does not have a temple. As we read this morning, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But the church doesn't have a tabernacle. The church doesn't have a temple. We have a church house, so to speak. But we don't have a temple. So this passage of scripture in chapter 15 deals mainly with the, the children of Israel. And in the tabernacle and in the temple was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented, represented God's covenant with the children of Israel. It also represented the presence of God. When the children of Israel did not have the Ark of the Covenant, boy, they felt like they were susceptible to any problem. They were susceptible to attack because the Ark of the Covenant wasn't in their midst. The presence of God was not in their midst. You can read about that over in the Old Testament when they didn't have the Ark of the Covenant uh, in their midst. And then David brought it back, got it and brought it back into the, their midst. And boy, they praised the Lord. And they worshiped and they sang uh, because, boy, the presence of God was back in, in their place. It was the glory of God. And so we see this passage has to deal mainly with the children of Israel. It deals with the rest of the world at the same time. But one thing this tells me, some people today do not believe the revelation has anything to do with the nation of Israel. In fact, some people believe the church took Israel's place. I don't know what you call that, but there's some theologians, there's some commentaries, there's some people who believe that when you read about uh, Israel, it's about the church. It represents the church, represents it. They believe that God has set aside Israel. They believe that God has done away with. They believe that God has cast away Israel. But I just want to tell you, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that. The church is the church and the nation of Israel is Israel. And God is dealing here mainly with, with Israel. Listen, God's promise to the nation of Israel, to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, that he had given them a land, that they were his people and they would uh, come in, into their land. This is what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 12, 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people. Now, who is his people? The nation of Israel. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. I just want you to understand that Israel is God's people. And so God is not finished with them yet, folks. It's his, the covenant. This is a covenant. Uh, here that we see that he made with Israel in Psalm 94, 14. He says, For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. In Psalms 105, 8 through 10, he says, He hath remembered his covenant forever. You see, God made a covenant with the children of Israel. And the Bible says he remembers it forever. Forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. The covenant to Israel, folks, is an everlasting 
covenant. So don't let people tell you. Don't let people tell you that the church is Israel. That the God has, is through with the nation of Israel, with the Jewish people. He's not. He's not. He made a covenant with them. Just go and read Romans 11. Uh, listen to what the Bible says in Romans 11, 11. It says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Talking about the Jews. God forbid, but rather through their, their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Oh, you see? Children of Israel, the nation of Israel, they blew it. Yeah, they sinned against God. And God's sort of turned to the Gentiles. But one of these days, the time of the Gentiles is going to be over. And God is going to bring his people back. He's going to bring them back. Ezekiel, listen to Ezekiel 37, verse 11 through 14. This is the, the Ezekiel's vision of the valley of the dry bones. I know you, many of you have read the, the valley of the dry bone. The Bible says, Then he said unto me, Son of man, These bones are the whole house of Israel. They're dry. They're dead. They're in, in, in the valley. And he says, Behold, they say, Our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of, of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live and I shall place you in your own land. Folks, Ah, then he goes on. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. In other words, God says to the nation of Israel, they were scattered after the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. The Jews were scattered all over the world. All over the world, they were scattered. There was no nation of Israel. But just less than 100 years ago, probably, Boy, there, there again, the nation of Israel was born again. And the Jews have been coming back to the land of Israel. God has been bringing them back to that land that he promised them. They have been gathered, they have been gathered back. Jeremiah 16, 15 says, But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands whether he had driven them, and I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. Folks, no one tell you, the Jews are coming. They're coming back, and they've already come back to their land. Boy, years ago, there wasn't hardly any. Now there's millions of Jews in their land. So this tells us something. This tells us as they bring them back, this tells us that we're getting closer and closer to the return of Christ. 
the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven not only includes the Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments, but more importantly, it represents the presence of God. It represents the presence of God. This emphasizes the fact that God is in control in this passage. What John sees here is God's plan of judgment being carried out by the seven angels. The seven angels are approaching from the presence of God. God is giving them their marching orders. The temple in heaven is opened and the seven angels come out to pour out the most devastating, destructive, and deadly wrath of God on the unchristian world that this world has ever experienced. But we're getting closer. Notice what they were wearing. They were clothed in pure and white linen and having their hearts or their breasts girded with golden girls. Oh, what this represents. According to the Life Application Bible, it says John again saw this tabernacle open. Uh, the seven angels who come out of the temple were dressed in plain shining linen and were golden sashes around their, their chests. Their garments reminiscent of the high priest's clothing and uh, show that they were free from corruption, immorality, and injustice. They had come out from God's presence to do God's bidding. These angels would be in charge of the seven plagues, that is, the bowls with the plagues, just as the seven angels had blown seven trumpets. Also, them coming out, they were coming out in God's authority. They were doing this because God had commissioned them to do this. God had authorized them to do this. You know, there's two things during that time that the world is not going to realize. When this takes place, there's two things down here on earth that the people of the world is not going to be aware of. First, they are unaware that God is in control. Till today, even today, there are people in this world, most of them, that don't realize, are not aware that God's in control. They think they're in control. They think they are running this world. They think they're in charge. But in heaven, God is doing everything and God is in control. The book of Revelation, all through this book, I've told you that God's in charge of what's taking place. If it's bad, if it's bad stuff, which a lot of it is bad stuff, God's in charge. You may be going through difficulty and problems of life. Let me just say this to you. God's in charge. Nothing comes to you that is not sifted through the loving hands of God. I said this morning, that if you're having trouble, that you are a candidate for a miracle because God's in charge. He is in charge of what's going on down here on earth. He's in charge of what's going on in our lives as believers. He's in charge. Folks, always remember that. God is in control. Second thing they're not aware of, they're not aware of that judgment is fixing to fall upon them. 
The wrath of God is fixing to be poured out upon them. They're walking around. They're not thinking about God. They're, they're eating and drinking and being married just as the people in Noah's days was when Noah preached to them for 120 years and told them that, man, judgment is coming. The flood is coming. Judgment is coming. They just went around doing their thing, uh, doing their normal daily marrying and getting married and doing this and doing that, had no thoughts for God, no thoughts for judgment. Even as, as the ark was being built, even as Noah was preaching to them, they didn't listen. They didn't care. They had no thoughts for God. They were unaware that the flood was about to hit. This is the way it's going to be during the tribulation period. The people of the world are going to be totally indifferent to God. Totally indifferent to God's will. Totally indifferent to judgment. They're just going to do their thing. Go about their business. Eating, drinking, being married. They're going and then the judgment is going to come. Let me just say there are two at least two. Two ways we can know that judgment is fixing to strike. One is that wickedness, wickedness reaches an all-time high. When God destroyed the world with flood, listen to why he said he did it. He says this. In Genesis 6, 5 through 7, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts that his heart was only evil continually. And it, repeated, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him so, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. So during the, when the flood came, evil and wickedness and violence was all over the place. It had reached its highest, and it reached its, it, its worst. And God said, I'm going to destroy these people with flood. So when wickedness reaches its highest, folks, you know that judgment is not far behind that. A second thing we know is when righteousness, righteousness, when righteousness is at its lowest, then you know that judgment is fixing to hit. Remember, when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Before he, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham interceded for them because Lot was in Sodom. And Abraham interceded. He prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. Now listen to what Abraham said. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's very important. Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? 
The implied answer to that is no. No, I will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. And then Abraham said, Peradventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from, from thee? Shall not the judge of the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will not destroy for their sakes. 50. And then he went down. Abraham said, Well, forgive me. Let me go on. Ask again. And so he went down to 45. He found 45 righteous people. Will you not destroy the city because of 45 righteous people? And then he went down to 30. God said, if I find 30, I won't destroy the city. And then he went down uh, to 20, 20. He said, will you destroy the city if there be 20 righteous people? And finally he says, if you find just 10 righteous people, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? God said, if I find 10. Nearly non-existent. Righteousness nearly non-existent. There was only one righteous man in the city of Sodom, and that was Lot. One. And you know what the angels said to Lot? They said, Lot, you need to get out of here because we can't do anything until you're out of here. And they took him by the hand and they drug him out of the city before they destroyed the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to understand something. What I see in that passage, God will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. Isn't that great? That tells us something about the tribulation period. It tells us something about the church. Let me ask you, people who belong to Jesus, we're members of his church. And we, by God's grace, are declared to be righteous. Now, that tells us something. God implies that he will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. So he's going to rescue the church. He's going to remove his church. Sort of like what didn't happen at Afghanistan. You know, normally you get your people out, get them to safety before you leave your the army. Well, God gets his people out before he strikes with wrath and judgment. That tells me that during the tribulation period, the church will not be here. Righteousness 